We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free. Only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome into the Roadwire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday, December 30th, the last Roadwire NBA Fantasy Basketball Podcast of 2016. DJ Trainer here, joined by Shannon McEwen and Ken Kreitz. You can find us on Twitter at TrainerDJ, at RotoShannon, and at Ken Kreitz. This podcast is also available on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, and directly on the Rotowire website. Uh, feel free to leave it. All aboard! All aboard, indeed. 
late, a little late there, yeah. Feel free, yeah, a little late, but it's all right. It's 2016. We'll move into 2017, get better timing on that. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You can listen and download, of course, like I said, directly on the Rotowire website itself. Shannon, you had an early morning, and you told me what you did this morning, and I like what you did this morning, but I don't know why you did it so early, if you want to fill in our listeners. What we do, the old men at the YMCA, uh, there's three different YMCAs in Madison, and between the three, you can play at 6 a.m., you can play basketball at 6 a.m., six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Um, Today, it was on the west side of town, and they do an interesting thing, the final day of the year. They do last shot. Whoever makes the final shot of the year gets a trophy, and, and then you also have to write up an a outlandish email of like 2,000-word count that basically describes the day. Um, you're, you're, if, you made, you know, if you made the last shot, how you celebrate how you did so, and, and you try to make fun of everyone involved. It's actually like a gigantic task that, that <laughs> consumes hours of, of work. <laughs> Um, You're speaking like you've won this before. I have. I have won it before. And I, I assume the real work is the mocking of others. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's a burden like that you don't want. Um, we, but, we might need to read some highlights of your letter next pot. I, I will like try to do that. Pot. I told them I need like a t- – I, so I hit the final shot this year. It's the second time in three years I've done it. Um, and I'm, first year was a lot of fun making fun of everyone. Um Last year, the guy compared everyone to Star Wars characters because it was right <laughs> around the time Force Awakens came out, and it was hilarious. Um, this year, I have no idea what the theme's going to be. Probably something to do with Trump or death. Those are kind of the big things in 2016. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it wasn't, it wasn't a monumental shot. Like There weren't people hogging the ball or fighting over who was going to make the last shot. Instead, everyone... Were people actually passing it up? Yeah, no one wanted to take <laughs> really? it. And we were trying to force feed you know, kind of the, the godfather of the morning basketball. His name's, his name's Pete. He, he's been wanting to make the final shot of the year. He's never uh, made it. Uh, we force fed him the ball on like 12 straight possessions. He had multiple shots bounce in and out, and he couldn't do it. So If, if he had hit early, would you just like going to call game early? Like, ah, that's game. That would have been nice. We should have done that. I mean, usually there are a few people who are competitive about it. So there's last game never yeah. happens. It's all right. It's, it's somebody hits the final shot and it's like, ah, we got time for one more. Let's run one more. <laughs> <laughs> but I, while I have the, the monumental task of putting together this email, um, that, you know, I, I also get an awesome trophy. I left it in the car, but I've got a trophy. I'm going to put that in my living room. I'm sure my wife would be happy to see that again. It's so awesome. You didn't want to lug it up the stairs to the office right. to show me, huh? All right. Uh, too, well, that, too good for the office. Got to have it at home. I'm surprised people didn't want to. I get the email makes sense to me where people would be passing it off because you, you've told me about this before, and it seemed like in past years people were hogging the ball oh, trying yeah, to get yeah, the last definitely. shot. But the problem is the last few emails have been really, really good. Oh, sure. Like they're really good, yeah. really funny, and no Shoes. one's going to be able to live up to the hype. You just can't do it. Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, let's move on to the professionals here. Somebody who did not take the last shot or make the last shot in last night's game, Russell Westbrook, got ejected in the third quarter. He ended up, he ended the game with 21 points, five rebounds, zero assists. Ken, you know what? Even if he finished that game, I think that might have been one of his worst performances of the season because it was midway through the third quarter. He only had five rebounds, zero assists. That equated to about 25 FanDuel points when he left the court. 
I know he was, you know, tossed for griping to the refs, but was he really just pissed that they were getting their ass handed to them by the Grizzlies? I mean, yeah, they they, they were say. just getting hammered. Uh, I, I I think did you say earlier, uh, DJ, that this is the first time you played Westbrook all year in DFS and he got tossed? Yeah, I was wondering if this was going to be a sad podcast or a happy podcast. <laughs> I guess it's going to be a sad one. So, you know. If you've heard me talk in the past, and, and you guys probably know as well, that I, I like to spread the money out um, to basically every spot. And I really don't like to reach up and pay $12,500 for Westbrook. It's just not my style. I like to have a quality player, $6,000, $7,000 at every single position. Because last night, I decided to go with Westbrook for some weird re- reason. I decided to deny my, my whole DFS yep. philosophy, and I got absolutely screwed. And then, you know, I'm relying on somebody like Nick Young and Wesley Matthews to make up the difference from what I spent on mm. Russell Westbrook, and, and it didn't work. And so my apologies to everybody who had Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry I used him for the first time this whole season. That's Interesting the, you chose the Grizzlies as the first time to use him just because, you know, Solid D, Tony Allen. I, I know. I, I've never probably been more mad after lineup block. Shannon and I were talking about it. I was I was in my own head thinking differential play. Most people would be thinking that. Therefore, his ownership right. would be just as low as ever and, and on and on. I, it was a bad night for DFS for me. And I think his ownership was in the 30 to 35% range. So it was lower than, than on an average night. But that's the risk. When you, when you take those high-dollar guys – you need them to hit 50, 60, 70 yeah. points because you're playing guys like Nick Young, Wes Matthews, other guys who you know, yeah, they might hit 40, 40 fantasy points one night a season, but they're not going to do it very often. Like If you get 25 to 30 points from those guys, you're happy, but that's only if Westbrook gets you 65. So everybody, uh, you know, be safe out there. Take take solace in knowing that I will not be using Russell Westbrook again. I learned my lesson. I'm going to go back to my strategy, which was working just fine this season. You know, I don't know why I decided to stray. It's probably because Russell Westbrook is my favorite player in the NBA, and I wanted to root for him for DFS for one for one chance out. But man, twelve thousand five hundred. I mean, he was more than twice the price of Wesley Matthews, if you want to think of it like that. And Wesley Matthews, you know, DJ, you got to wear you got to wear more Thunder clothing around the office. <laughs> I'm not in the office very often, so I don't know. Maybe you do, but uh, I don't know if I've ever seen you in Thunder gear. Hmm. Probably not. I only have a few pieces to Maybe be. A make some. Make day. some. Wa- make well, some wagers. Make some wagers. I know. See, that's the problem. Is I need more. More uh, clothing-based wagers with you. So I, I, yeah, I'm good on shorts. May have to go. I need socks. And I can always go for another hoodie, so we can try to figure out. So we'll move on to the next topic. But the, a big reason why I don't wear much Thunder gear anymore is because a lot of it was Durant stuff. So there you go. Uh, 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 I think it's retro cool. You know? Yeah, retro cool, I guess. It's still, it's still a little too early. Kawhi Leonard uh, isn't listed on the Spurs injury report and thus appears on track to play Friday against the Trailblazers. Shannon, do you think Kawhi Leonard against the Trailblazers is actually one of the best matchups that we're going to see on Friday night? I do think he's a solid play for Thursday night, but I'm back. Or I'm sorry, Friday night. I'm backing his boy at power forward, Lamarcus Aldridge. So I don't think I'm going to roll both of them out oh, there. Hey. I mean, Kawhi's still a solid play. He had a nice 39 point outing against Portland last week. I expect a similar outing from him from him on Friday. But if I'm picking one spur to back on, on Friday night, it's Lamarcus Aldridge. That's sounds- you get. You gonna chime in with your standard theory? Standard theory. What's my standard theory? Revenge yeah. games. Oh, revenge games. Of course. Yeah. Look, I I absolutely love revenge games, and I think they matter more so in the NBA than in any other sport. 
I'm not so sure there's a ton of revenge that like that vigor right, that out. vinegar that that you that you see with uh somebody like KD and and the Thunder, you know. And so I, I just don't know. I think it was more of an applicable split. Uh, and I know it was a little bit testy, but it's just not. It doesn't invoke that same kind of passion that most revenge games do for me. But revenge game, nonetheless, I suppose. Or we can just still point to the bad power forwards on the Trailblazers. That's the, that's the thing. <laughs> They're abysmal against opposing power forwards. And, and Lamarcus has been he's been a disappointment this year, but he's on a nice little streak right now. He's got about forty five points per game over the past three, which includes that, his game last week against the Blazers. Is the Noah, here's another name I'll mispronounce, but the Noah Vonley, like, I know he's still only 21, but when when are we going to stop pointing to his ceiling? Is it too early to give up on him? I mean, he has the pedigree, but boy, he doesn't have the stats yet. And he's only shooting less than 40% this year. How long, how long does Portland give Vonley? Well, I tell you what, he's been in the league long enough to the point where you actually know how to pronounce his name correctly, Ken. So, and he hasn't done anything. So, <laughs> so he's done. Ready, yeah, yeah, he's gone. Done. He's right gone. him off. <laughs> um, you know, I, he, he had a, a, not a great freshman season at Indiana. He came into the draft too early, but again, yeah. he's got, you know, if you want the money or if you're going to be drafted high enough, you're just going to do it. And it's hard to deny somebody, uh, millions and millions of dollars, but he really just came into the NBA too early. This is his third season. He hasn't done any better than he did back two years ago. So, um, you know, if a team that drafted you is ready to get rid of you the season after your rookie season, right. then obviously there's something amiss. Well, he was, yeah, he was the prize piece in the uh, Nicholas Batum trade, and they yeah. really got, they traded for him to replace LaMarcus Aldridge. The problem is he's got a super stud in front of him on the depth chart, Myers Leonard. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come out. The Myers Leonard love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he like one of 14 power forwards in a row Charlotte drafted? 17, maybe 18? I don't remember. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're still, they still have kind of a log jam at power forward, too. <laughs> right. Who would have thought that Marvin Williams would come out on top after all of that? I mean, that's the biggest who would have thunk it. Um, but the yeah. thing for Vonley, too, is that there actually is quite a bit of depth in Portland. They're, you know, each no. of those guys does something really, they do it's one mediocre, thing well. Mediocre it's depth. Mediocre depth. They're all but, very mediocre. But depth nonetheless in terms of being Ed somewhat Davis, of a logjam. Aminu? I mean, Aminu can do one thing rebound. That's it. Yeah. Aminu's solid Ed. on defense. Uh, Leonard, Ed Davis, Harkless. Jake Lehman has been a great per-minute guy, believe it or not, uh, as a rookie. And so mediocre, sure, but I mean – they're all pretty even on the lesson, so it's yes. hard to just give one guy all the minutes, and it sure as heck is not going to be Vonley. But if Vonley could do anything in practice, the opportunity is there. You know, they There's not a supremely talented player in front of them. So, yes, I would agree with that, Ken. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll keep it moving here. Vonley, you know, I, I don't know why he would do any better. But, again, he, he is only 21 years old, so that's – basically the only thing he has going for him right now at this point. Goran Dragic uh, dealing with that back issue was about 50% Thursday and, quote, probably shouldn't have been out there, according to coach Eric Spolstra. He finished with only five points, two of 11 from the field, three rebounds, eight assists, and one steal in 32 minutes. So he still played a full load, Ken, but obviously they rushed out a guy with an ailing back um, pretty early in the season, which you really don't see too often. It doesn't make any anymore. sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, 
I, I give credit to Spolster. He's one of the few NBA coaches with a really bad record who's still secure enough in his job where he can admit to making a horrible move <laughs> and playing Dragic. You know, uh, you know, um, yeah. The two for eleven tells you all you need to know there. Uh, why though? Why they gave? Him, they didn't just roll him out there and then see that he wasn't healthy. They ran him for thirty-two minutes, yeah. which just makes no sense at all. He's your team. You know, like, why are you risking that? It's almost like if he, it's like if Whiteside had a knee issue, would you let him keep playing? You know, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me why they, you know, uh, I mean, they were in the game to the end. But uh, I just don't understand why you play Dragic 32 minutes in there. So I, I, I thought I heard something last night is that, you know, after you get past DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall in terms of potential trade candidates, Goran Dragic is certainly a trade candidate and people are talking about it. And so somebody said about, oh, showcasing him, you need to get him back on the court, show he's healthy. But you know who Goran Dragic is. Like, nobody, yeah, he, he, we already know who he is. So I don't know why that would be the reason. It really just seems like a pretty, just a dumb move overall, Ken. I, I just don't see <laughs> any yeah, reason. I, so. They're I, I to totally last agree. In the East. Yeah. You've got Johnson who can play a very good point guard. You know, they've, they've had Richardson playing some point guard. Like, I, I just don't, yeah, he's your most, he's, he's arguably your best asset. You know, Whiteside's not going anywhere, so he's definitely your most tradable asset. And why you'd risk that just makes no sense to me. Your season's already over. They're ten and twenty-three. Uh, Kimball Walker, you know, is going to light it up too. So he can't rest on defense. Walker's their number one option. Uh, I have no good explanation, and I'm just shocked he played thirty-two minutes. I don't know. Am I missing something here, Shannon? No, not at all. Not at all. And I, it's. He probably shouldn't have been out there. From from a DFS standpoint, the frustrating part of this game was, one, Dragic comes back, is not very productive, and two, Tyler Johnson blew up, whereas yeah. the game before, Dragic sat out. They had multiple other players sit out as well, so you'd think that would be the time when, when Johnson actually goes out there and blows up and puts, a, puts together a big night. Um, but no, no, it was last night instead of the previous night when Dragic was on the sideline. Yeah, Johnson's still a great line. I mean, 18 points, five assists, seven boards, two steals and a block. He had two threes, shot eight of 16. I mean, he's playing really well, plus eight last night. Why you'd give Dragic more minutes uh, is just beyond me. I, I, I think it's a given they trade Dragic and hand over the keys to Johnson before the end of the season. So yeah. there, so there's some interesting things that happen in the CBA, um, and I don't want to get into the minutiae yeah. of it too much. But basically... It puts a lot of more interest and in stock in rebuilding by drafting because um, because of basically the five year two hundred plus million dollar contract you can offer players elite players that have been in your franchise for eight to nine years. So your Paul Georges, your Russell Westbrooks are not going to necessarily be available on free agency because they'd have to go they essentially have to go forego excuse me seventy five million dollars. So if Paul George wanted to leave Indiana in two years and go to Miami. He'd be giving up $75 million, right. and that's not going to happen. And so Pat Riley actually came out and made a statement recently and said something to the effect of, you know, I, I've talked about rebuilding through trade, through free agents and all that stuff, but it seems like, you know, for the first time I'm realizing we have to do it through the draft. It's going to be somewhat of a, a couple-year process, but we have to do it. And so that, to me, more so than ever, suggests, just like you said, Shannon, that Goron will be on the move because it makes sense for them to actually tank to a certain degree. Well, and also... Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Well, and also when it comes to attracting free agents to Miami, who's that teammate on that roster you really want to be with? Nobody wants to play with Whiteside. 
you know, it's not like Dwayne Wade's recruiting guys. <laughs> you know, right. that's a little more of an effective rush chairman, frankly, for your squad than uh, Whiteside, too. So I, I also don't think Miami anymore is that awesome destination. You know, I don't think he has the recruiting tool for free agents either. And you're, But your CBA point's also a very good one. So from a fantasy standpoint, then, I, I think it, if he gets traded, Trogic's fantasy, fantasy value dips a little bit. I mean, not 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 too much where he's off the radar, but it's going to dip a little bit because he's not going to have to carry as as large of a load uh, with yep. whatever team because it's most likely going to be a contender that already has a couple pieces. But I mean, is is Tyler Johnson in that scenario? Is that scenario likely enough that you're going to go out and target Tyler Johnson in a trade right now? I'm actually picking him up in a little shallow Yahoo league. Right? I would say so. I would certainly say so because the thing is that it's it's not a hope and a prayer that if that happens, maybe Tyler Johnson will produce in the extra minutes. When Tyler Johnson sees extra minutes, he produces. And so there's not this kind of hoping and wishing if it even happens at all. We already have a test. I mean, my the the closer question to me, and Ken might be an expert on this one, is Josh Richardson, somebody that you'd be the, to go out and grab? Because uh, I think Tyler Johnson is is already kind of proven that he can produce. Josh Richardson is the one, Ken, that I think you're yeah. kind of already sold on, but I know you've been dangling him in trades well, I, that other people value him high. I, I, I did deal him. I forget who. Uh, maybe it was my Horford deal. But, uh, yeah, I... I, on our keeper league, I put out a cheap bid on Richardson near the end of last year, more just assuming he'd get huge minutes this year with Dang moving on, and other uh, and and you know and, and then Wade moved on. Um, I love Josh Richardson a lot, especially if you need threes. They play him at the three, they play him at the two, they play him at the one sometimes. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely a Josh Richardson fan. Love him. Alrighty, let's go to the last bit of news here. Damian Lillard with his ankle issue is considered doubtful for Friday's game against the Spurs. Shannon, we talked about the front court uh, for Portland, but in terms of assuming Lillard does sit this Friday, who do you put vested interest in in terms of DFS? Well, it's C.J. McCollum because his his usage rate just skyrockets whenever Lillard's out. So he's really the the good player for tonight. He's only seventy one hundred on on FanDuel. The problem is the matchup. He plays the Spurs. He didn't have a big game against the Spurs last week. Still had about about thirty fantasy points. But I I mean I'm running him out there in about fifty percent of my lineups currently. It's just tough because there are other good options at, at shooting guard. You've got Giannis, Gary Harris is a cheap one, and, and there's a mix of other players that I would consider. So I don't love the matchup, but I love the situation for him tonight. Yeah, that's completely fair. The, my biggest issue, obviously, is the fact that it's the Spurs. Um, you know, the Trailblazers and the Spurs actually played three games ago, but that was the last game that Lillard played. McCollum got, I think, about 28 fantasy points. But again, Lillard was on the court, so it's really hard to judge what McCollum can do being the sole provider against the Spurs. But you would think that you know, they have one point of attack, and that's it. And you would think that Greg Popovich could stop a team of eight points of attack, much less only one. So I'm, I'm very, very concerned, even though his usage rate has been massively high. If he's going up against Sacramento, against Phoenix, then I'd love him. But I, I think I might be staying away entirely because high ownership rates as well with Lillard out tonight. There probably will be high ownership rates. I do, but when you have, you have Harden going, you have Giannis. Um, I think some of the discount guys like Will Barton or Gary Harris will have decent ownership rates. So it, it's, 
I do think you'll see the higher ownership for Callum, but it's not McCollum. It's not going to be fifty percent or anything crazy like that. Fair enough. This is fastly becoming my favorite part of my whole entire week. It's time for Ken's <laughs> crazy old man rant. Yeah, thank you, DJ. Is the East already done? I got a house full of family here, so my NBA viewing is a little down this week, but uh, definitely squirreled away, had to squirrel away to watch that Celtics-Cavs uh, game. And while the final score looks close, frankly, Cavs are blowing them out. Kevin Love was having a career game. They're blowing them out through the first half. Really, the Celtics only made it a game because, frankly, the uh, Cavs kind of packed it in a little too early. Um Terrible game for Al Horford. I'm starting a little wonder about uh, Big Al in the big games, or at least the spotlight against the Cavs. Um, it just looked like when when the Cavs wanted to, they could dominate uh, the Celtics. And frankly, I look at Toronto, and their front court still just stinks. It's not going to improve much when Sullinger comes back uh, in January. By the way, Sully is a nice pickup because he will get crazy minutes when he's whenever he does play. But uh, it's just so boring when, when the divisions are already done. And I feel like ah, these Cavs have already, you know, already clearly won it. I don't know. Am I, am I wrong to think this, the East is already over? Uh, yes. You're not wrong to think that. The East is already over. The Cavs <laughs> are going to run away with it. Uh, if there's a challenger to that team, I mean, the Celtics are it. I, the Raptors are a farce. They're going to yeah. win 55 to 60 games probably this year, but it won't mean much. Like they could be out, they could be beaten the first round of the playoffs, and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, mm-hmm. But they'll probably be the number two seed. Yeah. So here's the but, thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Ken. I don't, I don't want to end oh, no, no. Finish, fin- <laughs> no, not at all. Finish on the East, then I have one other mini rant. Sure. Oh, I love it. Mini rants are the best rants. Um, so the Raptors up until this point have actually had historically one of the most efficient offenses ever, period, behind this year's Warriors. We're, we're looking at two of the most efficient offenses ever, and still they're three games behind the Cavaliers. So they can't even catch up when they're you know performing on all cylinders to max efficiency. So you're right, Ken. I, I think the East is over. But you know what? I think that was fair to say before anybody had even played a game this year. Yeah, the only yeah. hope is if the, a team like the Celtics make a big move and acquire John Wall or someone like that. That's true. So. And, and, they, and they also, in their defense, and you know I'm a Celtics fan, so I'm biased, but uh, they haven't had that many games with a healthy Isaiah Thomas, a healthy Al Horford, and a healthy Jay Crowder to play together. Right. A.B. Bradley's been out of his gourd. So there is probably some upside when they have more time. They were on the road last night. You expect them to play better in Boston. But you're right, Shannon. I think the only the only chance of the East becoming a real race is if Boston finally uses a ton of those assets to make a deal. Now I got I got one more Celtics take. Actually, I watched the Celtics, and it, it, I forget this was within the past week. Um, I forget what team they were playing. Um, but Marcus Smart was the best player on the floor <gasps> for the Celtics. Dude, he when he he gets one of those crazy ball swipe steals. Uh, a game where he just insists on getting the ball. He's so much fun to play and yet terrible offensively. I mean, his shot's going from awful to at least acceptable. But, man, his defense is so awesome. And they'll put him on ones, twos, threes. He is such a dog. I think he's past Avery Bradley as the shutdown defender on that team. They were um, – it was actually when they were playing the Knicks, and it was on Christmas. So it was okay, a Christmas yeah. game against the Knicks. And Marcus Smart was in there – for a large chunk of the fourth quarter, and they made a comeback. 
and they were pushing it. I believe the Knicks won yeah. that game. Uh, so, there, I mean, the, the dilemma and, and why it makes sense for a trade is you've got three players in Bradley, Smart, and Terry Rozier who are awfully similar. And uh, you know, clearly Ainge in his last few drafts views defense as underrated, but um, I've, there, there's just not enough ball to go around for Smart, Bradley, and Rozier, and they all have very similar games. That yeah, one of them's definitely get, and it could be smart. I mean, it, if Smart ever gets his jump shot figured out, man, he'd be awesome. He's I, got he, he's got some serious upside. Yeah, I think we're going to see a leap from him within the next couple of years. And and it might maybe it's not with the Celtics. Maybe he's okay. like a Chauncey Billups type who you know doesn't doesn't fully uh, blossom until year five or something like that. But I, I think it I think the game is in him, and he he certainly has that kind of ceiling. Ken, we're doing all right on time, so I just want to dig into this just a little bit further, oh. and then we can go to the oh, mini yeah, rants. Yeah, we yeah. talked about Goran Dragic. Nobody has ever really put any vested interest in Isaiah Thomas. He's pat, He's been passed around like crazy. People don't think he can actually help you win games. He's playing above his head right now. Would the Celtics be better with Dragic over Thomas moving no, forward as a franchise? No, 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 no. You know, because I love Brad Stevens calls the best plays out of timeouts. They have great defense, but Thomas is the only guy on that team who can create his own offense. They rely on, you know, when the offense just sputters, they just give the ball to IT and he makes stuff happen. And what's awesome, I mean, oh, he is the master. And at 5'9", this is just insane. Thomas is so awesome at driving to the hoop and getting a foul, and then he shoots 90% from the line or 88 or 89. Like, he is so good at that. When the total Celtic offense just breaks down, he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm the shortest guy on the court, so I'm going to drive to the hoop, get a foul, and I'm going to drain two at the line. And that happens so much. And I just drag it. For, and Thomas is younger, too. I, I don't even see that as an upgrade, frankly. And frankly, the rest of that Celtic team is so used to leaning on Thomas. I don't think they'd know what to do with Dragic in the, in the lineup instead. Well, I think that is a major issue is that you talk about trying to improve, but where do you improve? I'm not so sure it, it, it's not going to Yeah, they do have. Okay. How far up the rung do we need to go? John Wall? Is John Wall a better fit for this Celtics team than Isaiah Thomas is? Uh, the Wizards don't have the, the cojones to make a John Wall they, deal. They so need, then where do you improve? They need just, a power forward and, and I believe a small forward. I. I the power forward Horford at center, then have a power forward. Yeah, come you in get another big Horford's man. Already at center. Yeah, so you, they're they're debating Amir Johnson or Kelly Olynyk at power right. forward. There's plenty of room. And you know what? Hey, Amir, I love those two guys coming off the bench, but neither of them are starters. Um, and, and you you, you know, you, you, Amir Johnson starts like on a Raptor team when they when no one else plays good defense, but. Uh, there's plenty of other good defenders on the Celtics where you don't need Johnson in a starting role. What would be great is if they added. If they added a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, like I think that would work for them. Sure. sure. And then, <laughs> You'd work anywhere. And yeah, I yeah. like Crowder, um, but I would want a little bit of a better three-point shooter, a 3 and D guy who's a better three-point shooter than Crowder at three. That well, I haven't heard any talk of this. I haven't heard any talk of this, and it won't help this year, but Paul Millsap is a free agent at yeah. the end of the year. And Paul if Millsap. Atlanta says to start over, certainly Horford, you th- I, I don't know what the Horford-Millsap relationship was like but you'd think he could help recruit him paul Millsap would fit into a brad stevens system yep seamlessly they would they would, they would just become the uh the 2015 hawks or whatever right. whatever hawks team that won like 62 games they right. would become that team and then lose but with a better point guard in my opinion a better point guard and thomas and better defenders at the two i'll give you that 
I like it. We're going to continue talking about the Celtics, not just because Ken is a huge Celtics fan, but because they're kind of they're the pivot of the NBA right now until the trade deadline. So everybody's awaiting. Um, we've waited uh, long enough for your second mini rant, Ken. Give it. Ah! That's my that's my rant. The bullet point, if you will. Point ah, two. Uh, did anyone see Kimball Walker's Nick Young like shoulder shimmy on his missed three last night at the end oh, of the yeah. game against Miami? Beautiful. Oh, I want, I threw up a little in my mouth. I was so disgusted at that. They they don't own that game yet. They did wind up winning uh, by nine, but but it's bouncing around all over the place. Walker, frankly, his shot percentage isn't exactly red hot. You know, I know he's their number one go to shooter, but he's just oh, it just uh, just made me so sick. Like in the old days. You know, Lance Parrish would have clotheslined him on the way back. Just as you don't do that, you just don't do that. That's what old man rants are made of, right there. Kemba Walker shimmying after made during a, a missed three pointer. It was awesome. Those are one of my favorite things. It only happens about once. Last year it was Nick Young, and there's lots of great pictures of him holding his hands up with the ball, obviously rimming out. Uh, yeah, last <laughs> night last night was amazing. Hey. Uh, I love it so much, so much. And if I'm a coach, though, hey, you know what? Either Go for the rebound or get back on defense. Right. And at you least have other responsibilities. Yeah. You've got things you should be doing other than making a fool of yourself. He's got a personal brand to uphold. He's trying to get that advertising money. Uh, that certainly did not help. Staff Keeper League update. It's been a few weeks. Some things have happened. Ken, I'll let you break it down for us because I think you'll be the, the happiest guy to talk about it. Well, uh, I'm in second place, though. Though, really, it's a log jam, second to fifth. But uh, my team was terrible. This will sound silly, but Jarrett Jack ruined my team for the first month because I had collision I knew was out. I had uh, injuries. I couldn't. I actually couldn't field five healthy cards. It was pathetic. Uh, I had. Uh, oh, I forget why Jack. Jack was supposed to be the backup in Atlanta, as you know. Hurt his knee after the auction and then outright cut. Um, Patrick Beverly I had was hurt. Um, anyway, but I'm finally healthy and I'm just getting games and in a 14 active, uh, you know, 14 active player league. You just, at some point you have to have bodies playing every week. Uh, but I have somehow managed my Horford trade has helped. I've managed to, I have no more assets to deal, unfortunately. So I'm going to get killed when other guys make trades. But right now I, at least I'm making a run and I'm a little healthy. I overpaid for Sergio Rodriguez when Bayless was announced for the year. I'm hoping he turns things around. I know you like Sergio tonight in DFS, but uh, I have a shot, and that's all you can ask for. So, Shannon, I hear you're making deals. I am, and I'm in ninth place. And and I want out of twelve, out of twelve, out of twelve. But here's the thing: the logjam's not second through fifth; it's second through ninth, dude. There's only thirteen points, fourteen yeah, points separating yeah. second and ninth place. And if you look at the standings, I can make up those fourteen points in two different categories. And in a week or two, it's not even that it's not that big of a leap. Honestly, the three guys below me are done. They've already sold off pieces. They've already they've they've risen the white flag and given up on this year, selling off their their expired contracts. There's no one. I'm not going to drop below them no matter what. But I'm going to fight. Penalty. So you're, you're basically saying I don't have to worry about any penalty. No, no, I don't have to worry about a penalty. And And honestly, when I look at the overall standings. There are a couple categories where I know I'm going to make some improvements via trade. And will I finish in second place or make a legitimate run at, at, at the title? No, I don't think I will. But it's, there's tons of season left, and I'm willing to buy a couple pieces right now. 
um, because I have more to offer Who do you than have Patrick offer? Beverly. Right. Who do you have to offer? <laughs> Throw out, you know, we're talking in, in – I'm in, trying. You can't blame me for trying with Patrick <laughs> Beverly. I'm trying. You have consistently overrated Patrick Be- Be- Beverly for the duration of his career. but uh, I, Hey, I, he's I, ranked 45th last 30 days, I think. That's not bad. Or maybe it- – not bad, but who do you have to offer? You know, when we're talking about Ellen. keeper leagues and we talk about trading assets and whatnot, who who are some of these assets? So, so cheap. I mean, this league's different. It's not like most of your most keeper cheap. leagues. You have cheap. young, unproven guys or who are on cheap contracts who have high ceilings, have lots of value in this league. So, you know, a guy like Marquise Chris who hasn't done much, Jalen Brown, um, you know, even. Even a guy like Thon Maker, they can have lots of value. For me, it's just finding someone who likes that prospect, essentially. I mean, I have Buddy Heald, Emmanuel Moutier, Marcus Smart, Kent Bazemore, Terrence Jones. I don't think he really matches the other three's potential. Um, Thon Maker. You got to trade Jones to DJ. DJ loves Jones. Yeah, Thon Maker. Those are my young guys who are on cheap deals who you can essentially own for, for single figures for the next four, five, six years. So but, those are the guys who I would be trading. Buddy Hildstock is really rising. He's pay, played progressively well. Am I at the point where I want to hitch my wagon to Buddy Hield? No. No. Maybe in a few years. Um, and, you know, I, I've taken a lot of flack uh, across many spaces for saying that I'm not really going to touch Buddy Hield for a couple of years. But I just don't mess with young guys. And, and, and it, it's tough for me in a league like this because – you need to invest in young guys and hope mm-hmm. they materialize. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so that's been tough for me because generally I stay away. I, I like proven guys who I know um, have been in the league. They have a track record and whatnot. And so I, for me, none of those guys you mentioned entice me whatsoever. And I understand that. And I don't disagree with you, but I think, <laughs> I think, they're, more, I think they're more enticing than a lot of other guys that's, who are out that's there. That's true. And, and the way this league works, um, you're not going to – you're willing to deal Moutier? I thought you kind of had a thing for Moutier. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm willing to move him. I, I don't think – we'll see. We'll see what materializes here. Um, the, the way this league works is you don't trade a guy of value who's producing on your team right now for expiring contracts, things like that. If you have a guy like Devin Booker on a 3B contract or 3A contract, you're not going to trade him. There's no reason to because he, unless you're getting Russell Westbrook for him, like there's no reason to trade them, and and that's an uneven trade in a, a one-year redraft league. If you look at it, there's like no way anyone would ever trade Devin right. Booker for what Russell Westbrook in this league. I could argue there's no way oh, yeah. you're going to trade Devin Booker for <laughs> Ru- Russell Westbrook. So it's just it's a different it's, it's a different scenario than most leagues. I, I one of my big leagues, one of my first years in this league, I drafted Kawhi Leonard and Vucevic. Neither one of them were that great their rookie years. And, and they weren't they weren't top ten fan lottery picks. You didn't expect them to be superstars. They were kind of lottery tickets that I took in the draft, saying like, "Oh, I hope these guys turned into solid prospects." I traded them both their rookie seasons when they had a couple flashes, but weren't really weren't in my starting lineup or anything like that. Um, trade them for Lamarcus Aldridge, who was in his prime at Portland, and one other player of comparable value. Um, that's the type of trade you make in this league. And if you get lucky, you'll have guys like Kawhi Leonard turn into an absolute stud and you'll own him on the cheap. He'll be a top 10, top 20 player and you'll own him on the cheap for the first seven years, you know, five, six, seven years of his career. 
Well, you know, I what I love about this league, and a lot of it to Shannon's points he just made, but I love that it's 14 players active. I love how deep it is. It makes you care about that many more rosters, that many more games each night, and it lets you throw flyers at young guys you like. Uh, you know, so I'd urge our listeners, those that are in like a 10 active league or even 12, think about going to 14. It's a lot of fun. I mean, one of the big ac- acquisitions, um, not last year, but the year before, was Nurkic. Nurkic right. had a nice little stretch where, you know, he he looked like a double-double machine. He was on a cheap contract. And I know someone traded away like Anthony Davis in a package for Nurkic. <laughs> yeah, right. So, exactly. So, I mean, that's... <laughs> The contract stuff Look is fun. Our, is now. Like, there's my no grad way. school. Yeah. Well, the, the auction part is the also the fun part. Our 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 uh, we needed to spice up our grad school league, and I'm old, so we were we were class in '97, so it's a pretty darn old league, twenty plus years, and we we went to auction. Uh, it's not a keeper, unfortunately, but that whole dollar value thing is a blast too. Yeah. Go auctions. Go yeah. deep. Yeah, love the, love the dollar value. I, I love it, especially if you're a fantasy nerd. Uh, having these contracts to dig into, there's some there's an added layer of value that's not just rest of season value. There, it's it's rest of five year value and whatnot. Um, I'll I'll let you speak one more time, Shannon, to people out there playing in rotisserie leagues, whether it's you know season or just one season or um, like it's a keeper league like we have right here that we're talking about because you know you're in ninth place out of, out of 12 but there's still a lot of optimism because i think a lot of people count them at themselves out too early in rotisserie leagues where the first third of a season matters just as much as the middle third and the last third and i think people really especially in keeper leagues look at their team see that it's not working out after the first two months and bail when in reality you know, if you have three guys that have a good shooting night, you can rock it up the scoreboard, and then you forewent your chance of having shot to win the whole entire league because you overvalue the first third of the season. Yeah, and the three guys who are below me in the standings, I think two of those teams sold appropriately. I think they give they gave up the rest of their roster was not good enough to compete. They didn't have pieces to to build the roster around whatever expiring contracts they had. One of the teams, uh, James Anderson's team, I think he could have won the championship this year. He would have. <laughs> he did made, bail early. He, he bailed bail early. really early. And I think if I mean he could have traded uh, Ben Simmons, for instance, he could have traded Ben Simmons for a huge haul. I I, I crushed him, I crushed I, his soul last year. He just was so devastated in losing to me. It's like literally he's still in hangover mode. Yeah, I mean I could, I offered him Gordon <laughs> Hayward for Ben Simmons um, like three weeks into the season. Two, it was a week before he didn't Hayward take that back. He turned it down and said. I wouldn't even trade Simmons for, for Curry or Westbrook or whatever. Uh, like, I think crazy. he owned Westbrook at the time. But he said, I wouldn't trade him for, for Curry. And I get you know, that, it. That, I get that. Yeah, that's, that's the problem of his job assignment at Rotowire. One of the things he does is he writes the prospect mm-hmm. column. He doesn't even like He's just ben too Simmons. obsessed with youngers. He's just too obsessed with youngsters. But he doesn't. He doesn't even like Ben Simmons. He th- he thinks that Brandon <laughs> Ingram's a way better talent. So he's st- he's I've asked him about that. He's starting to come around on that. He still has a lot of hope for Ingram. Should, but next time you're on a podcast with with him, ask him about uh, Japari Parker and how good of a prospect he is. We used to get into arguments about that. I wonder what he thinks this year. Well, you know what? Nick Whalen and James Anderson actually had a pod about that just before us on Thursday. Good. So uh, we'll all go listen to that. Um, you know, if, if you want further evidence of James bailing perhaps too early, he traded Zach Levine for Draymond Green. Or he traded away Draymond Green. God, Zach Levine. Obviously, Levine had a that little Before more. the season started. Before, before the, season. the season started. So it's, it's hard for a prospect analyst not to fall in love he's, with prospects. He's gotten good players. In his defense, he, you know, he's acquired, he acquired Joel Embiid. 
That's great. Like that's going to be a lot of fun. He literally has hit the process with the process. He's hit the process. Yeah. And he's got great young pieces to build around. But honestly, if he made zero trades before the draft, yeah, kept kept his team as is, he'd probably be in first place right now. Well, you know where he struggles, and maybe why he lost last year is he loves his youngsters so much that when it's time to go all in and trade your up and coming guys for current studs so you can win, he can't do it. He can't pull himself. He can't make himself do it. Right, right. All right, let's finish up strong, guys, and talk a little bit about Friday FanDuel, the actual slate we have here on this Friday. Ken, we'll kick things off with you. I don't know if you've suggested him so far this season, but it sounds like you're coming around on Derrick Rose. Well, only DFS, and this you know, I've got two suggestions that I'll let you guys run with the FanDuel suggestions. You two are really more the experts, but I do like Derrick Rose against New Orleans just because New Orleans is so bad, given their third worst in giving up uh, fantasy points to point guards. And then my other, uh, I'm going to jump ahead to shooting guards so you guys can run with your picks. Uh, Will Barden, you know, he's a roller coaster, uh, but they're playing the Sixers who are in the second game of a back-to-back. I think this could be one of those, they, you know, Barton gets hot against a really bad defense, and they just let him run. But uh, that's a crapshoot pick, and I'll let you guys, the experts, talk more DFS. I'm on the other side of the coin for Barton. I'm going Gary Harris. He's 4,600, so he's a little bit cheaper, and, and he's getting 30-plus minutes a game. You never know with Barton. Like He could go out there. If he's playing well, he'll get, he'll get 28, 32 minutes. But Gary Harris, it doesn't matter how well he's playing because he's really good defensive presence. He's going to be out there for 30 minutes-plus. And, and while his ceiling's not as high as Barton, I want to take that guaranteed playing time and lower salary, so I'm going with Harris. They they love him so much in Denver. You're right. He, he's a lock to get 32 minutes, even when they have Will Barton, when they have Jamal Murray, when they even have somebody like Malik Beasley, who who hopefully will get some minutes at some point this year. They love him enough to play him a starter's role of minutes. Somebody that I like at, at point guard, and you do too, Shannon, is Reggie Jackson. Only $5,500. Hasn't really done anything. Obviously, he missed a good portion of the season but the Atlanta Hawks give up the second most fantasy points to point guards this year. Obviously, that's my biggest takeaway is if he ever is going to go off or when he does for the first time, why wouldn't it be against this Atlanta team? Is there anything else that you're reading into this matchup that you really like for Reggie Jackson? You know, he's been under $6,000 for a nice little stretch now. And every almost every single day that he's active, I look at it and I'm like, oh, man, I should probably plug him in. I haven't really. I haven't really done that yet but i'm doing it tonight there's no way i'm going to take him out of the lineup like you mentioned atlanta's a good matchup and then also if you look at his most recent game he played 34 minutes which which was season high that's that's really telling about like where he's at right now he he's progressed enough he's kind of the rust has come off if they're willing to play him 34 minutes in a game that means he's going to be able to start producing like he did last season and i think that that's going to start tonight he has been and he's been trending in that direction last week or so you know, we're quick to forget that last season we would rank him just up there in terms of using him in DFS with your Drew Holiday, your Drogic. I mean, he was up in that range. He's a $7,000 player. Right. He's yeah. a $7,000 player that has not shown us he's a $7,000 player this year. But you have to think at some point this year it has to happen. And obviously we're trying to be the first ones to be there when it does happen, right? Yeah. The minutes the minutes are there now. So so I know the production's going to follow. Three straight games of 30 or more minutes with, with the most recent being 34 minutes. Shannon, you have one more point guard here. Sergio Rodriguez, please explain. Well, he's playing Denver, so he's got a good matchup. And, and Rodriguez, he's only 5,000. I, I, you know, matchup, 
price and then performance. He struggled against Utah last night, but that's that's to be expected. A lot of people struggle against Utah. A couple games before that, he went for 31 fancy points and 33 fancy points. I He's one I might make some adjustments and take him out of my lineup, but right now I've got him and I'm going cheap at point guard and I've got him and Jackson as my two point guards. So a question for you here, Shannon, before we wrap things up entirely, um, is do you view the Philadelphia court backcourt differently um, when Embiid plays versus Okafor versus Noel? Because obviously Embiid is not playing every day and they're trying to figure out things with Okafor, Noel, um, Saric, um, but just for an example here, if Embiid is in the lineup, do you say, oh, I'm going to stay away from Rodriguez because we know Embiid is going to get so much usage, it's going to be hard for Sergio to have the ball distributed and whatnot. So is there anything like that that we should be reading into um, this resting schedule in the oh. backcourt? Um, and i got to throw this in there. Rodriguez has been ruled out. Oh, wow. Hey, well, there you go. Game. I'm not using Sorry. him. <laughs> yeah. Don't use Sergio yeah. Rodriguez today. Yeah. So, you know, that actually means I'm going to plug in TJ McConnell um, there, without a doubt. I mean, he's going yeah. to get tons. The only, of the only guy they got. Yep. So it, he's he he's not the greatest player in the world. There's plenty of flaws. Same can be said about Sergio Rodriguez. I think T.J. McConnell is the better fantasy option between the two. So now that I know he's getting 32 to 36 minutes, I'm definitely plugging him into my lineup. You don't have to like him as a player to help you win games. You just have to like the fantasy output next to his name. Ken, why don't you get us out of here? Absolutely, gentlemen, and uh, happy holidays to everyone out there. We're going to go with Shaq Fuchsius. I'm not. What are your favorite Shaq Shaquille O'Neal nicknames, guys? That's the first time I've ever called him Sha- Shaq Never heard Fuchsius. that ever. Oh, I don't know where I heard that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your? What are your favorite Shaq? Diesel, I guess. Diesel, Diesel. is pretty good. Yeah. It's hard to top I that. I swear I heard Shaq Fuchsius somewhere. Anyway, uh, he once said, "Quote." Our offense is like the Pythagorean theorem. There is no answer. (laughs) Attention, passengers. This three-car fantasy train has hit the end of the line. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.